focus on your sales and your marketing. And a lot of people always separate two things, product and marketing, but they're really intertwined because the feedback you get from your marketing should help you develop your product. And the earlier you focus on going through those uh, feedback loops of marketing and selling and figuring out what people like and cutting out what people don't like, the better your business will be and the faster it'll grow. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours? Just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we have a Nate, another great guest on the podcast, Yusuman Torre. And uh, Yusuman uh, went to high school in Maryland, uh, thought he would be a doctor, ended up uh, select or going after an accounting degree, uh, didn't really know what a, what accountants did, but thought it sounded good, and then started as an intern at a specialty food store, um, then uh, interned at a small CPA, CPA firm, uh, took a year off from working to continue to focus on studying, um, then uh, went to work for a luxury uh, magazine. Um, his boss quit and had to, uh, he was put in charge of creating the books um, and then went to work for a, a big business. I think it was Grand Central, spent a year there, um, led to, uh, led a team of interns, worked uh, for Deloitte for a period of time. Um, and then his, uh, one of his uh, co-workers uh, had a bit of a mental health uh, breakdown and he, uh, he decided to uh, quit and become his own engineer. So he started a business from there. Uh, started a, a credit business and then uh, also or built the the business and uh, built an app. Got burned out, quit or left that business. I built another business uh, for Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining. Uh, scaled it and started to make a, a good amount of money on it until um, had a, a falling out with the the business partner and now has uh, started uh, or is, uh, started what is his current business. So with that much <laughs> as an introduction, welcome on the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I just gave a, a a thirty or forty five second version to a much longer journey. So why don't uh, re uh, rewind a bit and unpack the the journey? So tell us a little bit uh, how your journey got started uh, going to high school in Maryland, thinking uh, you'd be a doctor. Yeah. Um, you know, my uh, I come from a background, a West African background, and my fam, my dad was a doctor, and you know, I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps and become a doctor too. So from a young age, even in like middle school, I was in the math science magnet. I was in a specialty math science school. Um, you know, I was taking advanced science and mathematics courses early on. And then when I went to high school, I chose a high school that specifically had a biomedical engineering program. And I studied it. I was fascinated with the body and how it worked and with science and how things worked and chemistry. And yeah, I, I really thought I was going to be a doctor. Like there was a point in high school where I was teaching my AP biology class and the teacher was like, because <laughs> I, I kept like, you know, answering questions. And one day the teacher was like, well, why don't you just teach the class? And I was like, I, I bet I could do a great job. And then he let me teach it once. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of how I got my start. And I used, I was big into sports like track and soccer. Um, I think that a lot of that carries over into like the things I end up doing even now. Um, and that was high school. 
I graduated and I, I wanted to go to New York City, so I chose to go to Pace University. So now you go off to, to school and so you'd uh, start out wanting to be a doctor. So did you start to kind of doing the pre-med route or kind of as you're in school, how did you uh, come to figure out that uh, maybe a doctor wasn't the, the path you wanted to take and you wanted to, to go a different direction? Yeah, well, the summer before uh, my freshman year of college, I started doing some math in terms of how long it would take to be a doctor versus how long it would take to like be an accountant or an engineer or just general professions. I hadn't picked anything yet. Um, someone had gotten me into insurance sales as well. And I started doing the math and I, I was like, if I start school now, I'm going to be 18 freshman year and then probably won't become a doctor until I'm 28, 30, 32 which by then I could have gotten really far in another profession. So I don't know that I want to be in school for that long. <laughs> so I need to pick something else. And I wasn't sure what I was going to pick after that. That's where I became uncertain. In freshman year of college, we didn't really have to pick a major. So I figured I'd pick the business department. So I just, you know, took a bunch of different business classes the first year. Accounting wasn't one of them. And, um, I still wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then uh, kind of towards the end of freshman year, a few of my friends were like, hey, we all need to pick majors. What are you picking? And I'm like, I don't know. And then we pulled out the majors book and accounting was at the top. It was art was the first one, I think. No, art was second and accounting was there. And we're like art, accounting, art. And I'm going to go into accounting. Um, that's how it happened. And it sounds like you almost just went in alphabetical order. We'll just pick one of the first ones <laughs> in the book and uh the first one that sounds good will go with that. No, I'm just kidding. But uh... yeah, yeah, that's actually kind of how it went. Because um, I, I, I've always had a belief that I can, I can excel in anything. Um, so, like, I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about this. But there was a thought in the back of my mind that I would become an entrepreneur at some point in the future. And so I thought, let me pick a major with the most utility. And accounting is what I uh, kind of decided at the time. Hey, makes uh, makes good sense. So you say, okay, gonna uh, go into accounting. So you, you go in, or so you uh, finish up the degree, go into accounting. And I think during that period of time, you did some internships. Or otherwise, you know, did, did some different work. So maybe uh, clue us in a little bit on kind of what was uh, that aspect of the journey as you're getting the degree. Yeah. So um, Pace is uh, top two percent accredited school in accounting in the world. Um, and so they 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 really pride themselves on having a strong accounting program and they wanted us to do internships. And so the sooner you got an internship, the sooner you could kind of get into the circuit. And a lot of my classmates will go intern at Morgan Stanley or even the big four accounting firms. But with my thought of wanting to become an entrepreneur, I thought I would go a different route and intern at smaller companies. So um, one of my cousins was working at a specialty food store called Agatha and Valentina in New York City. And he told me to call their accounting department and see if they wanted an intern. And so I called their accounting department and they're like, we don't need an intern, but we could use somebody. And I put on a suit, <laughs> went over and had an interview and they were like, hey, yeah, we could use you. You seem like you're pretty smart. And so they had me doing some clerical work in the billing department. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those like uh, uh, Car Andrew Carnegie or 
the Rockefellers, when they all started, they were clerks in some business department somewhere. It's kind of how I got my start, too. Now, you see, you know, during school, you're doing the internship. You're kind of getting that experience, which I think is always great. I think sometimes, you know, I think school can be definitely helpful along your journey. But oftentimes, you know, getting the the real world experience is, uh, it, you know, is, there isn't a, any replacement for that and can set you up to be that much of a, a leg ahead when you when you're coming out of school. So now you're coming. So as you're coming out of school, you got the accounting degree, you've got the internship experience. What was kind of that that first job or what was that entrance into the working world? Like getting out of school? Yeah. So so my final year in school, I was interning at um, Metro North Grand Central. And so Metro North Grand Central is a public benefit corporation, and they get a lot of subsidies from the U.S. government, the New York state government, New Jersey government, so on and so forth. So when a government agency gives you money, they're going to want to audit your books. <laughs> and since five government agencies were given the money, they were constantly getting audited. So I was working with the CFO department to facilitate the audits. So we will review kind of the books and then we would help the auditors find all the information and pull the information requests and Deloitte were the auditors. <clears throat> and so the people at Deloitte that were coming into audit were just about the same age as me, just one year older. They had just graduated college. And I was telling them that, hey, I'm really looking for a job for next year and I've been applying and everyone just keeps saying that I'm overqualified and I'm probably going to end up quitting their job. And I was like, I would love it if you could put in a good word for me at your job and so kind of the year ended and i kept in contact with everyone that was there and something i learned later from working at deloitte is that when you refer a candidate they have a little incentive for you and so they referred me i got the interviews um they they had like five interviews it was different it was a different process than most places i had interviewed up to date but since i had gone through five four internships and one job I was fine. Um, and then I got into Deloitte and when I got to Deloitte, they assigned me to investment management audit. And that's like the first formal, I guess not first formal, cause I had been through so many internships, but they had become jobs, but it was the first like, Hey, this is a big boy job. You have big boy responsibilities. If you screw up, a lot of people are going to be upset. No, it is always, you know, a bit of a different when you're a student, when you're an intern, you get in there and it's like, okay, you know, Typically, they minimize the risk that so you can't really mess something up too much. And if they can, they're usually able to adjust it or recover. But yeah, you get in the working world and the expectation is, is no, you have, you know, what you, the things that you do may have the real world impact. So it sounds like it was a good opportunity. And I think like everybody else is always a bit of an awakening when you're getting out there. So you know, so you're working, uh, you go and work for Deloitte for a period of time, you know, you're able to um, go through and, and get that experience and that opportunity. Now, how long were you there at uh, at Deloitte? I was at Deloitte for about six, seven months. Mm -hmm. um, I got through busy season for the most part. And then after that, like I was explaining to you last time, unfortunately, some of the people that I were working with, like you said, had uh, mental health issues and um it was starting to impact me because we were all sitting in a room together and I kind of looked around and my like I started asking people around there like what's what's the experience like is this it is this what I have to look forward to and <clears throat> believe it or not one of my senior managers who had been there for 10 years was making 90k and that was like that was a big red flag for me 
I thought to myself, man, I got to go. <laughs> and then they were having me do like slightly higher level work than my position because we were on a small team. Mm. So I was able to kind of get an understanding of how those engagements work. Basically, you know, they get paid like the partner is managing a budget. And if there's a surplus, the partner keeps that as a bonus. And so I realized that me working there was just a competing interest to the partner's interests. And I had no control over my future. And that didn't really sit well with me. So now you're saying, okay, you know, this is, and I think you get a lot of times in a career. First of all, you get out of school and you're just excited to get a career. You have an income, you get, you get a paycheck. You think you're going to be rolling in the money and then quickly find out one is paycheck isn't everything, but even more so two is what am I going to, what is going to be gratifying now work is always work and it's always takes a lot of effort, but what is going to be the long-term prospects of it? So he said, okay, maybe that's not the right, you know, set up for you or the right place. So how did, what did you kind of figure out or, or how did you, how did you go from there? Well, my first thought was, you know, when you work at Deloitte and the big accounting firms during busy season, especially in financial services audit, you have to hustle. You're working like 80, 90 hours. So I immediately, like when I started thinking about the pay and how things weren't adding up and how that was supposed to be the experience going forward, I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to have to hustle this hard, I might as well hustle this hard for myself because I'm pretty much getting paid minimum wage. Because mm -hmm. in New York State, you can work up to 90 hours on salary before they have to pay you overtime. So if I'm going to hustle this hard, I might as well hustle for myself. So I reached out to my network and just kind of asked people, hey, like, what do you have going on? Like, what kind of opportunities do you have going on? And um, I had networked with a land, a New York landlord the year prior because I was I had helped one of my college, I mean, high school track teammates move to New York. He was looking for a place to stay and I was going to see apartments for him and just kind of taking videos and sending them back to him. And he needed help with his uh, subleasing business. So I think this was even before Airbnb got started. He would uh, get apartments in Harlem and then he would sublease them to uh, Columbia University students. Mm. So that's what he was doing at the time. And he needed help organizing his business. He needed help with his accounting. And I was like, hey, I've done this before at the Luxury Magazine, like you'd said in the intro, but my boss quit. So I'm not really sure I can do this, but I'm going to say yes to this because it's going to pay me more than the thing I'm doing now. And I get some experience working with an entrepreneur. So um, it took about three months. I helped him organize his entire business. And um, then he was like, hey, I, I, there's a need in this space. There's a lot of other real estate investors that need help um, getting loans. They need help fixing their credit. They need help managing their finances. Why don't we build a business around this? And so we started fielding calls and seeing where we could help real estate investors. And it turned out a lot of times they just needed to get their paperwork straight because they a lot of the investors we were working with, they were construction professionals. They weren't necessarily paper pushers like us. <laughs> not not that I'm, I'm a paper pusher, but, you know, so there was a need there. And so we started a business filling that need. And that was really my first experience, um, you know, just really being responsible of my own life having to pay for all my living expenses and earning that money as an entrepreneur. 
So now you do that and you're saying, okay, going to go out, I'm going to start that business, you know, with the person you from high school, get it up and going, um, you know, suit or fill your need. And I think there are a lot of people that don't like pushing paper. So if there, you can be a, a paper pusher that you enjoy it and you like it, good for you because there fills a need for a lot of people are saying, I didn't get into business to do the paperwork. I got in business to the thing I love. And so I think that definitely makes sense and, and fills that need. So now as you're going along, how long, or how long was, or did you do that business? How did it go? And kind of what caused the, the transition there? Yeah. So the business actually wasn't with my friend. It was with the landlord I had met. Oh, gotcha. He was actually, uh, he had worked in banking for 20 years. Um, so he had a lot more business experience, but not entrepreneurial experience, but he was, he was a landlord, right? He was a landlord and he was an entrepreneur. Um, so it, it, it went well, like we built the business, um, we kind of systemized it to a point and then we wanted to build a software app because it, essentially we were just doing management. So we wanted to build an app to manage the services that we were working on. And that, that kind of turned out to be a big mistake because we thought just because we were successful at servicing our clients that we'd be successful at building an app to service them. Mm. That wasn't necessarily the case. Um, we didn't know anything about app development. That, like I know a lot more now of like writing user requirements and, you know, creating a project plan and just putting things in the, in a language that a developer can understand. And so the business was doing well, but we were spending so much money on development costs that we weren't really keeping much money at the end of the day. And so after about a year and a half, no, no, we, we, started that in 2016 and we kept it going until the yeah year and a half until the middle of 2017. um i got kind of tired of it um, i wanted to make more money i felt more secure about my skills not entirely secure and so i there was a, a track a college track teammate of mine that told me about this bitcoin mining opportunity and he set up a meeting with one of his friends who was who wanted to start a bitcoin mine and at first the guy wanted the same service he just wanted me to help him get all his paperwork straight set up his llc uh, and then help him get a loan and then he came to talk to me he's like hey i think you're the guy that can actually help me scale this thing and so we went off and we started uh, a bitcoin mine and the Bitcoin mine grew. It grew fast because at the time, it from summer 2017, Bitcoin was actually growing really fast. And whenever I would post about it on my stories, on my social media profiles, people that I knew would get in contact with me. They're like, hey, how can I get a piece? Hmm. So we were, you know, having people buy computers and then we would just manage them. So again, it was a management type of business where somebody else had the asset and we were just helping them manage it. Um, that was that was exciting. It was exciting. Um, it grew fast. The price of Bitcoin grew fast. That was like my euphoric wolf on Wall Street moments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, seeing Bitcoin go from like 2K to like 19K. And then I think the excitement of it all got kind of crazy when one of the investors um, decided to start trying to cut all of us out of the business. And he decided to cut me out first because he felt like I was the biggest threat since I had the biggest handle on the situation. And uh, basically, the investor was the warehouse owner. We had, we needed to find a warehouse space to put our Bitcoin miners. 
and the guy that we put, the guy whose warehouse it was, decided that he was going to start cutting people out. And eventually he kind of shut us all out and took all the computers. So, yeah. No, it sounds like kind of the, the highest of highs and lowest of lows. You finally figure out something that you enjoy is making good money. That's uh, being successful. And then, you know, slowly or you know, you kind of have someone turn around and, and cut you out of the business makes it, you know, a bit more difficult or probably less than uh, less than ideal as far as uh, where you were going to be headed. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it's even if you can pick the right partners or you sometimes you pick the wrong partners, um, you know, the business heads in a, a direction that's unanticipated. So so now you're saying, OK, I had kind of that taste of success. Wolf of Wall Street didn't work out with the business partner that, you know, stabbed you in the back, so to speak, or kind of moved you out of the business. Um, so where did you go from there? How did you kind of pick up the pieces and how did you decide to, where to, what would be your next uh, next venture or next step or step? Yeah, so I took a moment to reflect when that happened. Like, that was a pretty big failure uh, for me. Uh, so I took a moment to reflect and I asked myself, why is it that the businesses that I've been involved in just didn't work out? Mm. And the the insight that I came to, it was a personal insight, not anything super special, but I was partnering with people because I wasn't secure in my ability to generate business and basically I wasn't secure in my ability to market and to sell. And so in order to prevent whatever had happened from happening again, I had to go off on my own, which will force me to market and sell. And it was something that was very uncomfortable for me because I spent so much time in accounting in the back office. You know, I'm good with numbers. I'm good with strategy, but putting it into play and going to talk to people and overcoming objections and all those landmines wasn't something that I was so comfortable with. Like I was a good talker, but I wasn't strategic enough on the fly. So I was like, okay, you have to start your own thing. You have to figure this out. I had a friend who was a YouTuber and I, I contacted him. I was like, hey, I see that you're still promoting credit services. I have this skill of you know, helping people manage their credit, build business credit, so on and so forth. If you'd like to partner with me, you can. You send me a lead and I'll pay you 20% of whatever I close them for. And 20% sounds like a high referral fee, but for someone who just lost everything and needs to make cash now, <laughs> you know, you want to facilitate the flow of cash into your pockets and there's a cost and I was willing to pay that cost. So I, was, I started selling business credit services for 2500 and he would get paid 2500 for every lead that I closed. I mean, sorry, he would get paid $500 for every lead that I closed. And he had enough traffic that I was able to generate 20K in sales that first month that we started, which was like three weeks after the Bitcoin mine thing happened. I was able to start that. And then I was able to generate 20K in cash for myself. So that led me to believe that I could do the sales. But then I, I sat down and I was like, if this guy decides to cut me off, I have no leads. So how do I do the marketing? And so that led me to create in August of 2018, that led me to create a five-year plan to build up my sales and marketing skills and continue to be in business by myself and take on no partners. 
so now you say, okay, you know, so now you, you know, that there kind of takes you to where you're at today. As far as you yeah. said, okay, I'm going to do, you're starting your own business. I think, you know, you're doing CFO type services. You're helping people to kind of start, manage, run their business, at least from the financial perspective. So yep. now as you're, um, you know, taking that as a, getting the business up and going, figuring the, out the things that you didn't know, you know, catch us up to where you're at today. Has it gone well? It's been a rocket ship to the top, more money than you know what to do with. You know, it's one of those where you're still figuring things out. You're still growing the business or somewhere in between or kind of how's it gone so far? Yeah, there's been there's been ups and downs. Um, there's been ups and downs. My my entire focus and my, my measure of success has been how well can I perform on the sales and marketing end? How well can I create sales and marketing messages? However, I had to let this organically develop. I started by providing business credit services, and then I ran into so many, I ran into multiple clients that didn't manage their money well. So then I started providing bookkeeping services, but then the same people didn't know how to interpret their financials well enough to make any decisions. So then I started offering CFO services. That's kind of how that developed. It wasn't that I got up one day and somebody was selling a business opportunity and they're like, hey, learn how to be a CFO. And then boom. I decided to be a CFO. It actually organically developed. Um, and through the organic development of the product, um, I got to experience so, quote unquote product development because I didn't get into this the way most other virtual CFOs do, which is business opportunity. I got into this through, hey, my customers need this. What does the service look like? Can I go somewhere and learn how to serve them better? And so even now, I have an accounting firm, but I'm always looking for ways to serve my customers better. So kind of where I am now, for example, I have a, I have a client, um, he's an IT consultant. And I started out with him by doing his books, but then he wanted to start a coding school to teach people coding because he believes that it's gonna be very necessary for people to know in the coming months and years. And he wanted to launch that business. Mm. In the past, I would have, you know, taken him to irs.gov, filed an EIN, <laughs> taken him to the state website, filed an LLC. But this time I was actually able to sit down with him, write a sales letter, brainstorm the product with him, which he then gave to someone that like put the course together. And then after writing the sales letter, we recorded a video sales letter. I made a website for him, created the landing page, created the financial projections, and then I coached them on how to market and we would talk every week and we would kind of brainstorm the marketing for the week. And it was all, he did all his marketing via Twitter and that took about four months. And at the end of the four months, he was able to, to, to get 12 students into his school. So, um, and you know, it's a multiple thousand dollar offer. So mm. it's a pretty, it's a pretty good start. And then once he gets testimonials from those people, he'll be able to scale it. So. I have multiple ways of servicing my customers. I'm always, it's, for me, it's about the customer. And yeah. Well, it sounds like it uh, has uh, been a, a rewarding business, a good step and uh, provided a lot of opportunity as well as, well as yeah, ability to, to pursue what you love. So, so now as we've kind of reached uh, towards the, the present day of the journey and kind of where you're at, um, great time to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. Um, okay. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What did you learn from it? Worst business decision that I personally ever made? Um, 
I think it would have to be when I was just relying too much on other people. It's a theme, not not just a decision. It's a decision that I made over and over, and that's why I'm saying it's a theme. Um, partnering with people because I was insecure and thinking that that was the reason why I should do it. You know, that was it. It, it created so many different problems and on so many different occasions, and. You know, I would come out of those decisions blaming people, but really it was me that made the decision that should have taken responsibility for it. Mm. Um, yeah, no, and I, I think that that one's uh, definitely understandable. A lot of times you're looking, you know, it's easy, it's nice to have someone to rely on. Maybe it's so you don't have, you know, if you're not as confident to make a decision or you're saying, hey, I'm, this is outside of my expertise or I'm uncomfortable. And there are a number of reasons, I think, why people get into that. And yet it also sometimes is, becomes a crutch where now you don't take that time to learn it. You don't take that time or you don't take ownership and kind of removes that responsibility and sometimes can hinder it. So I think that that one's definitely an easy mistake to, to make, but also a great one to learn from. Yeah. Second question now that I always ask is now, if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Focus on your sales and your marketing. And a lot of people always separate two things, product and marketing, but they're really intertwined because the feedback you get from your marketing should help you develop your product. And the earlier you focus on going through those uh, feedback loops of marketing and selling and figuring out what people like and cutting out what people don't like, the better your business will be and the faster it'll grow. No, I think that's a great takeaway. And I, you know, I think to even add on to that, I think getting out there earlier and actually starting to do that marketing and sales and seeing people buy a lot of times you get all the way done, build a full product, get it all ready. And then you say, okay, now I'm going to go launch. And then you get out there and launch and you figure out you missed the mark or you didn't uh, quite, uh, you know, you don't know how to sell or maybe people aren't willing to pay for it or any number of things. And so I think that even hitting that marketing earlier on, even when the product may not be fully built or may not be as fleshed out or may not be as polished as you want, I think is always a great, uh, great first step. You mind if I add on to that? Go ahead. I think for, for, for the people that are new, it's, it's important to make a distinction between your product and your offer. Your offer is just a written description of how you're going to solve someone's problem. And you can go out to the market with an offer before you have the, the thing built or the service ready to deliver on that offer. But by testing that offer, you really get a lot of that feedback that you need to figure out what's the right product, what's the right service that I need to tack on here to deliver what people want. No, and I think that's uh, definitely makes uh, perfect sense. And I, I couldn't agree more. So now as we're wrapping up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, <clears throat> they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. My name's Usman Torre, and I believe Devin's going to put the link in the show notes. And then you can also find me at yourbigbank.com. The website is just about to get redeveloped. So if you're hearing this a few weeks from now, then the website might be under development. But you can always look Your Big Bank on Twitter. I mean, sorry, not on Twitter, on LinkedIn. And then you'll find Usman as the owner and 
you can feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'll reply. I usually reply to my messages. Now, if you're trying to sell me 10 million offers, <laughs> I might reply, but it might just be a one word reply. But if you actually want to build a genuine connection, I'm always open to that. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, make connections, and otherwise, uh, uh, if nothing else, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, and leave us a review so we can make sure to share all these awesome journeys with even more startups and small businesses to help them along their way to, uh, to success. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents or trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Osaman, for uh, coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you. I appreciate it.